Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We are studying the Bible. We're studying the Bible to know what God has told us, to know how to follow Christ, to be the people that God wants us to be. We're working on our way through 1 John, and we're in the final chapter of 1 John, chapter 5. Today is episode 45, and we're looking at 1 John, chapter 5, verse 16. Just looking at this one verse. Let's read the verse. If anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him. To those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. This is a difficult verse. It's a verse that, well, he he talks about the, the sin that leads to death, the sin that doesn't lead to death. And he doesn't explain it. And so it's left to us to try and understand it. Now, you could take a couple of routes here. You could say, well, since it's not clear, we'll just not worry about it. But the trouble is, many people do worry about this. They worry deeply that have they committed this sin that leads to death? And are they then beyond the the realm of forgiveness? And so let's look at it, see what we can make of this. Now, John has just been talking about prayer, assuring us that God hears our prayer. If we are in Christ, if we have a relationship with God, then we can be assured that he will hear our prayer and answer our prayer. Now, we talked in depth about that. Uh, It's not a blanket. I'll just give you whatever you want. But that God does answer prayer for those who follow him. God is listening to us and hears our prayer. Now he's going to talk about a specific application of prayer. Praying for someone who's in sin. He starts out, he says, if anyone sees a fellow believer. Now the word translated fellow believer here is literally brother. So he's talking about someone who's a brother. And we see them committing a sin. Now, the Greek phrase translated committing a sin literally is sinning sin. So that sounds pretty serious. They're not just doing a sin. They're not just sinning, but they are the the verb form sinning and the noun sin together. And I can find no other place in the New Testament which uses this phrase sinning sin. So it's, it's serious. And he's specifically talking about a brother. And if I see a brother sinning sin, I should ask, and God will give life to him. But he he adds a caveat here. Sinning sin that doesn't lead to death. And if I ask God, and I have confidence that God will respond to my prayer, God will give life to him. And he specifically says, That's for those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death. Now, in the English translation, it sounds the same. Uh, It begins, I see a fellow believer committing a sin. Then it says, uh, gives life to those who commit sin. So they both say commit sin, but the first commit sin, it is translated sinning sin. And then the, uh, the second time is just the verb sinning. So if I see a fellow believer sinning sin, that doesn't lead to death, I should ask. And God will give life to him for those who are sinning that doesn't lead to death. Then he goes on to say, there is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying you should pray about that. 
Now there we could just say, well, he says, that's not the point. I'm not talking about that. So we don't need to worry about that. Just pray for someone who's sinning sin that doesn't lead to death. Trouble is, we don't know what that is. And it is something we do need to worry about. But we have to approach this with a lot of humility because John doesn't explain it any further than this. Apparently, the people he's writing to understand what he's saying. But for the last several hundred years, people have been arguing about what it means. Now, if we look at it within the context of 1 John, John's been talking about there's two kinds of people in the world, those who are followers of Christ and those who aren't. There are those who are children of God and those who are children of Satan. And people who are children of God are forgiven of sin. He's, he's made that very clear. He's made very clear that we all still sin. Everyone needs to be forgiven of sin. John's been saying that followers of Christ are forgiven of sin. Followers of Christ are in a relationship with God because their sin is forgiven. And those who are not are still in a state of sin, still in a state of unforgiveness. And he's talked a lot about life. There is life in Christ. Jesus brings life to those who repent and experience forgiveness of sin. So this likely is what he's referring to. He specifically says it's a brother who is sinning sin. He doesn't specifically say who it is that commits this sin that does lead to death. So one way to think about this is, well, if he's a brother, that means this is a fellow follower of Christ. This is someone whose parent is God, and any sin can be forgiven. So there is no sin that leads to death for a fellow believer. And so I pray for a fellow believer who's sinning sin and know that that person will be restored. But for someone who is not a follower of Christ, there is no prayer for that person. I can pray that that person be forgiven of sin or be restored and it's, they were already spiritually dead. So that likely is, is what he means. Some would like to attach this to the unforgivable sin that's spoken of in the Gospels, where Jesus was casting out demons and some of the religious leaders were saying he's doing that by the power of Satan. And Jesus had some pretty strong words for them in, in Mark chapter 3, verses 28 to 30. He says, truly I tell you, People will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And we see this in all three Gospels. This, uh, the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is an unforgivable sin. Now, that in itself is a whole topic of what does that mean, but... In this specific instance, it's they are attributing the works of God to the power of Satan. When right there, clear before their face, the Son of God is in the power of God the Holy Spirit, a testimony to the power of God the Father, they are denying this and attributing it to Satan. Jesus calls this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and says it's unforgivable. Some would say that's what he's referring to, the sin that leads to death. And, and some authors say, obviously, it could mean nothing else. But the trouble is, John doesn't say that right here. Some would say he's referring to believers who have so stepped out of line that God is removing them from the earth because they are 
actually bringing shame to the, the cause of Christ. For instance, in, in the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a piece of property and bring the money to the apostles and lie about how much it is. And Peter gives them a chance to come clean and say really what happened, but they continue to lie and they are struck dead because they are bringing disrepute upon the cause of Christ. Or in 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul is writing about the Lord's Supper, and he's saying, you Corinthians have so corrupted this thing, which is to be a, 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 a memorial to what Christ has done, a remembrance of the Last Supper to memorialize forgiveness of sin. You've so corrupted it that many of you have died that is, God has allowed or caused many of you to die because you are corrupting the things of God. So some would say the sin that leads to death is a believer, but who is so stepping outside the boundaries of acceptable behavior that God is going to take them out so they will not continue to drag the church down. It's a possibility, but that's not clear. That's reading something into um, the, the passage here. John says there's a sin that leads to death and there's sin that doesn't lead to death. And he specifically ties the sin that doesn't lead to death to brothers. The other one's left a little fuzzy. Some would say it is the so hardening of your heart to the gospel that you're past the point of no return, essentially. In the book of Hebrews, he talks about Esau. In Hebrews 12, verses 16 and 17, he says, and make sure there isn't any immoral, irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. Now, this is a troubling passage. It sounds like Esau wanted to repent, but wasn't offered the ability. And I think the, the point he's making there is there comes a point where you're beyond the ability to repent. And, and we see that in, in several places in the Bible where it talks about the hardening of the heart. The heart is so hardened. I won't say that anything's beyond the ability of God, but the heart is so hardened that there, it just seems that it's, it's impenetrable. And I believe that's uh, what he's referring to here with, with Esau. He uh, so hardened his heart to God's plan that he was beyond the ability to repent. Is that what is being referred to here, the sin that leads to death, the so hardening of the heart, the so embracing a lifestyle of sin that one is essentially beyond the ability to repent? We don't know. We don't know. And that's where we have to approach this passage with a tremendous amount of humility and be careful about just saying, this is what it means. What the real point here is that John is pushing is to pray for our fellow believers who are sitting sin. Now, whether it's sin that leads to death or sin that does not lead to death, we really don't know and can't say. And so we should be diligent about praying for our fellow believers who are caught in sin. And that phrase, sinning sin, said it's the only place in the New Testament we see that. It's, it's, it's bad. It's not just committing a sin, 
but it's sinning sin. It sounds like somebody who's really fallen into sin, but is a fellow believer, and we should pray for them, pray diligently for them, pray that God would restore them. And we know, based on what we saw last time, God does hear our prayers, and we be confident that God answers our prayers. So what do we do if we see a fellow follower of Christ caught up in sin? Right here, first thing, pray for them. Talk with them. Pray with them if they will. Pray that other people who maybe have more influence than you do would be influential in this person's life. Sometimes you go to the person and they don't want to talk to you because they don't want to be rescued from the sinning the sin. And so pray that other people who do have a stronger voice in their life would be heard. Pray that God would use circumstances to bring this person to repentance. But John is is instructing us here, if we see a fellow Christian caught up in sin, pray for them. Pray that God would restore them. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working our way through 1 John.